section eleven of the murder of delicia this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. read by angelique campbell june two thousand nineteen the murder of delicia by marie corelli chapter nine the next day she received her husband's letter the letter in which he had excused himself altogether and started a complaint against her instead she glanced over it with a weary sense of disgust and smiled disdainfully as she thought what a mountain he was trying to make out of the molehill of the paragraph in honesty as if any one of the lying tongues of journalism wagging against me could do me such wrong as his open infidelity she mused god how is it that men manage to argue away their own vices as if they were nothing and yet take every small opportunity they can find for damaging an innocent woman's reputation she flung aside the letter and turned over the morning paper there she found under the heading of a scene at a london club an account of aubrey groveland's horsewhipping at the hands of paul Vades, the expose of the so-called poet who as mr brown had been steadily booming himself was cautiously hinted at in darkly ambiguous terms no journal likes to admit that it has been cleverly fooled by one of its own staff and great editors who are anywhere and everywhere except where they should be namely in the editorial room are naturally loath to make public the results of their own inattention to business they do not like to confess that in their love of pleasure and their devotion to race meetings and shooting parties it often happens that the very porters guarding the doors of their offices know more about the staff than they do the porter can tell exactly the hour that mr b comes into the office at night the shortness of the time he stays there and the precipitate hurry with which he goes home to bed the porter knows that mr b is paid five hundred a year for doing hard work at that office during a certain number of hours and that mr b seldom looks in for more than one hour having other work on other papers about which he says nothing and that therefore mr b is distinctly doing his editor and proprietor but as long as editors and proprietors prefer to caper about at the heels of swagger society instead of attending strictly to their duties and to the grave responsibilities of journalism so long would the british press be corrupted by underlings and used for purposes which are neither honourable nor national nor in any way exact as reflecting the real current of public opinion delicia knew all this of old hence her indifference to the press generally she had always been entertained and surprised at the naive delight with which certain society bills had shown her descriptions of themselves in certain fashionable journals where their personal attractions were enumerated and discussed as if they were nothing more than cattle in a market she could never understand what pleasure there was in the vulgar compliments of the cheap paragraphist and in the same way she never thought it worth while to attach importance to the scurrilities that appeared in similar quarters concerning all those women who stood aloof from self-advertisement and declined to give themselves away by consenting to the maudlin puffery of the ladies' paper so that the lofty tone of injury her husband assumed in his letter not only struck her as mean but infinitely grotesque as well she did not answer him nor did he write again and she passed a quiet fortnight at broadstairs 
finishing some literary work she had promised to her publishers at a certain date and trying to think as little as possible of herself or her private griefs when she was not engaged in creative composition she turned to the study of books with almost as much ardor as had possessed her when at the age of twelve she had preferred to shut herself up alone and read shakespeare to any other form of entertainment and gradually almost unconsciously to herself the tone and temper of her mind changed and strengthened she began to reconcile herself to the idea of the lonely lot which would henceforth be her portion turning the matter practically over in her mind she decided that the best course to adopt would be that of a judicial separation she would make her husband a suitable allowance she smiled rather bitterly as she thought what a trouble he would make of it and how he would fret and fume if he had to do without his foreign hand and his tandem turnout and she herself would travel all over the world and gain fresh knowledge and experience for her literary labors or if constant travel proved to be fatiguing she would take some place in the remote highlands of scotland or the beautiful sequestered valleys of ireland and make a little hermitage among the hills where she could devote herself to work and study for the remainder of her days i dare say i shall manage to be at least content if i am not happy she said to herself though of course society will reverse the position in its usual eminently false and disgusting way and will whisper all sorts of lies about me such as oh you know a literary woman is impossible to live with it is always so poor dear carleon could not possibly stand her she was so dreadful <laughs> clever but quite dreadful yes and so they are separated such a good thing for carleon he looks ten years younger since he got rid of her and they say she's living down in the country somewhere not too far from town not so far but that paul valdez knows where to find her oh yes i can hear them all at it croaking harpies and her small hand clenched involuntarily the vultures of society can never understand any one loving this sweet savour of truth they only send carrion no man is true in their estimation no woman pure and chastity is so far from being pleasing to them that they will not even believe it exists on the last afternoon of her stay at broadstairs she spent several hours strolling by the sea listening to its solemn murmur and watching the sunlight fall in golden lines over its every billow and fleck of foam with the gravity of her thoughts her face had grown more serious during the last few days though it had lost nothing in sweetness of expression and as she paced along the sand close to the very fringe of the waves with spartan bounding now and then into the water and back with joyous deep barks of delight a sudden inexplicable sense of pain and regret surprised her into tears gazing far out beyond the last gleam of the ocean line with longing eyes she murmured how strange it is i feel as if i should never look upon the sea again i am growing morbid i suppose but to my fancy the waves are saying good-bye delicia good-bye forever and still good-bye like tosti's old song she stood silent for a little while then turned and went homeward 
resolutely battling with the curious foreboding that had suddenly oppressed her brain and heart spartan shaking the wet spray from his shaggy coat trotted by her side in the highest spirits he was untroubled by any presentiments he lived for the moment and enjoyed it thoroughly a habit of mind common to all animals except man the next day she returned to london and entered her own home with her usual quiet and unruffled air she looked well even happy and robson who opened the door for her admittance began to think he was wrong after all and that she knew nothing is lord carleon in she asked with the civil coldness of a visitor rather than that of a wife no my lady here robson hesitated then finally spoke out his lordship has not been home for some days delicia looked at him steadily and robson stammered on giving her more information since the grand dinner his lordship gave here last week he has only called in for his letters he has been staying with friends delicia glanced around her at the picturesque hall with its heraldic emblems stained glass windows and rare old oak furniture all of which she had collected herself and arranged with the taste of a perfect artist and a faint chill crept over her as she thought that perhaps even her home the home she had built and planned and made beautiful out of the work of her own brain had been desecrated by the company of her husband's private friends was it a very grand dinner robson she asked forcing a smile or did you all get into a muddle and do things badly well my lady we had very little to do with it answered robson now gaining sufficient courage to pour out his oppressed complaints his lordship ordered all the dinner himself from west and sent cook and some of the other servants out for the day they weren't best pleased about it my lady i stayed to help in the waiting it was a very queer party indeed but of course it isn't my business to say anything go on said delicia quietly what people dined here do i know any of them not that i am aware of my lady said robson with an injured air i should say it wasn't at all likely you knew any of them they were very loud in their ways very loud indeed two of the females uh, i beg pardon ladies stayed to sleep one young one and one old trembling from head to foot delicia managed still to restrain herself and to speak quietly do you know their names oh yes my lady madame de gascon and her daughter miss de gascon their names are french but they spoke a sort of costermonger's english did any of them go into my study no my lady an honest robson squared himself proudly i took the liberty of locking the door and putting the key in my pocket and saying that you had left orders it was to be kept locked my lady thank you but as she spoke she quivered with rage and shame her very servant pitied her even he had had more decency and thought for her than the man she had wedded was it possible to drain much deeper the dregs of humiliation she went upstairs to her own bedroom and looked nervously about her had madame de gascon and miss de gascon whoever they were slept there she dared not ask 
she feared lest she should lose the self-control she had practised during her absence and so be unable to meet her husband with that composure and dignity which her own self-respect taught her would be necessary to maintain she loosened her cloak and took off her hat glancing at all the familiar objects around her the while as though she expected to see them changed in the evening she would have to go to lady dexter's crush which was being given in her special honour she determined she would lie down and rest till it was time to dress but just as she turned towards her bed a sharp pain ran through her body as though a knife had been plunged into her heart a black cloud loomed before her eyes and she fell forward in a dead swoon emily the maid who was fortunately in the adjoining dressing-room heard her fall and rushed at once to her assistance with the aid of cold water and smelling salts she shudderingly revived and gazed about her in pitiful wonderment emily is it you she asked feebly what is the matter did i faint what a strange thing for me to do i remember now it was a dreadful pain that came at my heart i thought i was dying she paused shivering violently shall i send for the doctor my lady asked the frightened emily you look very white you will never be able to go to the party this evening oh yes i shall and with an effort delicia rose to her feet and tried to control the trembling of her limbs i will sit in this armchair and rest and i shall soon be all right go and make me a cup of tea emily and don't say anything about my illness to the other servants emily after lingering about a little left the room at last with some uneasiness and when she was gone delicia leaned back in her chair and closed her eyes that was a horrible horrible pain she thought i wonder if there is anything wrong with my heart tomorrow i will see a doctor tonight i shall want all my strength physical and moral to help me to look with calmness on my husband's face gradually she grew better her breathing became easier and the nervous trembling of her limbs ceased when the maid came up with the tea she was almost herself again and smiled at her attendant's anxious face in a perfectly reassuring manner don't be frightened emily she said gently women often faint you know it is nothing extraordinary might happen to you any day yes my lady stammered emily but you never have fainted and you want me to ask a doctor about myself so i shall to-morrow but to-night i must look my best what gown will you wear my lady asked emily beginning to regain her wits and composure oh the very grandest of course said delicia with a little laugh the one with the embroidered train which you say looks as if it were sewn all over with diamonds emily's bright face grew more radiant the care of this special gown was her delight her mistress had only worn it once and then had looked such a picture of ethereal loveliness as might have made oberon the fairy king pause in his flight of her flowers to wonder at her and while the willing abigail busied herself in preparing the adornments of the evening delicia sipped her tea and reclined in her chair restfully thinking all the while strange thoughts that had not occurred to her before if i were to die now so ran her musings all the results of my life's work would 
by the present tenor of my will go to my husband he would care nothing for my fame or honour his interest would centre round the money only and with that money he would amuse himself with la marina or any other new fancy of the hour possibly my own jewels would be scattered as gifts among his favourites and i doubt if even my poor faithful spartan would find a home for his old age this must be seen to i have made a mistake and it must be remedied fortunately the law which is generally so unjust to women has been forced into permitting our unhappy sex to have at least an individual right over our own money whether earned or inherited formerly we were not allowed to have any property apart from our lords and masters good heavens what a heavy score we women shall run up against men at the day of judgment the hours wore on and by the time she was dressed for lady dexter's at home she was in one of her most brilliant vivacious moods emily the maid stared at her in rapt fascination as arrayed in the richly embroidered dress of jewel work with its train of soft satin to match springing from the shoulders and falling in pliant folds to the ground she stood before her mirror fastening a star of diamonds among her luxuriant hair through the rare old lace that fringed the sleeves of her gown her fair white arms shone like the arms of the marble psyche her eyes were dark and luminous her lips red her cheeks faintly flushed with excitement a single branch of annunciation lilies garlanded her dress from waist to bosom and as she regarded her own fair image she smiled sorrowfully mentally apostrophizing herself thus no you are not quite bad-looking Delicia but you have one horrible defect you have got what is called an expressive face that is a mistake you should not have any expression it is bad form to look interested surprised or indignant a beautiful nullity is what men like a nullity of face combined with a nullity of brain you should paint and powder and blacken your eyelashes and you should also be ready to show your ankles by accident if necessary the men would find you charming then delicia they would say you had go in you but to be simply a student with ideas of your own about the world in general and to write down those ideas in books which give you a fame and position equal to the fame and position of a man this makes you a bore in their eyes delicia an unmitigated nuisance and they wish you were well out of their way if you could only have been a living picture at the palace theatre or turned out your arms and twiddled your toes in front of the footlights with as few garments on as possible you would have been voted clever delicia but being a successful rival with men is the struggle for fame they vent their spite by calling you a fool and you are a fool my dear to have ever married one of them smiling at herself disdainfully she gathered up her fan and gloves and descended to her carriage no message had come from carleon to say whether or no he meant to be present at the party that evening but his wife had attained to such an appreciable height of cool self-control that she now viewed the matter with complete indifference arrived at lord dexter's stately house in park lane she went to the ladies room to throw off her wraps and there found all alone 
and standing well in front of the long mirror so as to block the view from anyone else a brilliant-looking painted personage in a pale green costume glittering with silver who glanced up as she entered and surveyed her pearl embroideries with greedy admiration what a awfully sweet gown she burst out frankly i always say what i think though i am told it is rude it's awfully sweet i should like just such a one to dance in delicia looked at her in haughty silence the other woman laughed i suppose you think it's pretty cool of me making remarks on your clothes she said but i'm a celebrity you see and i always say what i like and do what i like i'm violet de gascon you know the morena frozen into a rigid state of calm delicia loosened her lace wrappings with chilly fingers and allowed the servant in attendance to take them from her are you she then said slowly and bitterly i congratulate you as you have given me your name i may as well give you mine i am lady carleon no cried la marina known in polite society as miss de gascon and to her father in east cheap as my gal julia muggins no you don't mean to say you're the famous delicia bone why i've read all your books and cried over them i can tell you well now to think of it and her hard brilliant face was momentarily softened in sudden interest why all these swagger people are asking me you here to-night and i'm the paid artiste i'm to have forty guineas to dance twice before the assembled company tra-la-la and she executed a sudden lively pirouette i am pleased i'd rather dance before you than the queen in an almost helpless state of amazement delicia sat down for a moment and gazed at her the servant had left the room and la marina glancing cautiously about her approached on tiptoe moving with all the silent grace of a beautiful persian cat i say she said confidently you are sweetly pretty but i suppose you know that and you're awfully clever and i suppose you know that too but why ever did you go and marry such a cat as beauty carla on springing to her feet delicia fronted her her eyes flashing indignation her breath coming and going her lips parted to speak when swift as thought la marina tapped her fingers lightly against her mouth don't defend him you dear thing she said frankly he isn't worth it he thinks he's made a great impression on me but lord i wouldn't have him as a butler my heart is as sound as a bell and she slapped herself emphatically on the chest as though in proof of it when i take a lover a real one you know no sham i'll pick out a good honest worthy chap from the working classes i don't care about your blue blood coming down from the conquest with all the evils of the conquest fellows in it it seems to me the older the blood the worse the man delicia grew desperate it was no time to place abilities off one against the other it was a case of woman to woman you know i cannot answer you she said hotly you know i cannot speak to you of my husband or myself oh how dare you insult me la marina looked at her amazedly with great wide-open unabashed black eyes 
good gracious she exclaimed here's a row insult you i wouldn't insult you for the world i like your books too much and now having seen you i like you i suppose you've heard your husband runs after me but lor you shouldn't let that put you out they'll all do it married men most of all i can't help it there's the duke of standoff he's after me day and night he's got three children and his wife's considered a leading beauty then there's lord prettywinks he went and sold an old picture that's been in his family hundreds of years and bought me a lot of fall loss with the proceeds i didn't want them and i told him so but it's all no use they're noodles every one of them but you encourage them said delicia passionately if you did not if i did not pretend to encourage them said la marina composedly i should lose all chance of earning a living no manager would employ me that's a straight tip my dear follow it it won't lead you wrong but delicia with a smarting pain in her eyes and a sense of suffocation in her throat was forced on by her emotions to put another question stop you make me think i've done you an injustice she said do you mean to tell me that you are a good woman finished la marina smiling curiously no i don't mean to tell you anything of the sort i'm not good it doesn't pay me but i'm not as bad as men would like me to be come let's go into the drawing-room or shall i go first yes this as delicia drew back and signed to her to proceed all right you look sweet and she swept her green and silver skirts out of the room leaving delicia alone to steady her nerves as best she might and regain her sorely shaken self-control and in a few minutes the fashionable crowd assembled at lady dexter's stirred and swayed with excitement as all eyes were turned on the sylph-like vision of a fair woman in gleaming white and jewels with a pale face and dark violet eyes whose name was announced through the length and breadth of the great drawing-rooms by the servants-in-waiting as lady carleon but whom all the world of intelligence and culture present whispered of as the famous alicia vaughan for a handle to one's name is a poor thing in comparison to the position of genius and that the greatest emperor ever crowned is less renowned through the nations than plain william shakespeare is as it should be and serves as a witness of the eternal supremacy of truth and justice a middle world of shams End chapter nine